this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. I'm going to be preaching some of the parables from the Gospel of Matthew over this month and into the next. And as you well know, parables are little stories with big messages about God. Jesus liked to teach in parables. He loved to tell stories. And before I begin to read this passage this morning, I thought I'd just go down a little Bible study avenue with you this morning. I think it's um, cool to point these things out every now and then. Now, each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call them synoptic, which really just means they're similar in style and pattern. The gospel of John's all the way on his own. He's out there in his own little world. But we have four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have four storytellers of the story of Jesus. As you know, they each have their own way of presenting and telling the story of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. It's really neat. There's, there's variations in the way that the gospel writers tell the story. For example, the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. All four gospel writers tell that story. That's the only miracle outside of the resurrection that all four gospel writers tell you about. Um, and some, that famous Sermon on the Mount, or as some, one of them calls it the Sermon on the Plain, the famous sermon teaching passage of Jesus. Matthew says, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke says that Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Differences, unique differences. Each gospel writer tells the story of Jesus with intention, even where he chooses to place a certain teaching narrative. And this is why I wanted to mention this, because our story today is the parable of the lost sheep. Matthew and Luke both tell this parable, the parable of the lost sheep. And in Luke, Luke places this story within three lost stories back to back. He, has, he tells the story of a shepherd losing one of his sheep, leaving the 99 to go search for the one. When he finds it, he celebrates and rejoices. Then he follows that with a story that Jesus says about a woman who tears up her house searching for a lost coin. And when she finds that coin, she calls her friends together and says, let's celebrate and rejoice. I found my lost coin. Then he tells a story about a lost son. A no good wayward son who comes home. And when the father sees his son, he runs out to greet him and says, Hey, we're going to celebrate and throw a party. He rejoices. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost sons. That's where Luke tells this story. But Matthew has the parable of the lost sheep on his own. He places it in a different spot. He actually places it with the disciples wondering who is the greatest. They get into this. They want to know who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus begins to teach them by bringing a child close by. So before I read our parable today, I just want to give you the context of where this story comes. 
It says the disciples are arguing over who is the greatest. And in verse 2 here, he called a child who he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And then he warns them about being a stumbling block to any such child. He does not mince words here. And we have to remember that in Jesus' time particularly, children were nobodies. They had no rights. They had no power. They had no authority. They were utterly and totally dependent on the adults around them to care for them and provide for them and protect them. And so Jesus is uplifting the nobody kids of the world. And into this moment... This story comes from Matthew 18, verse 10. Jesus says, Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one who went astray? And if he finds it, Truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. What do you think, he says? What do you think? I'm going to go ahead and assume we don't have any full-time shepherds in the room today or worshiping online this morning. But if you made your living being a shepherd, if you made your living in the world by caring for a certain number of sheep, the more sheep, the better for you, what do you think you would do? You have 100, you lose one, do you leave the 99 alone on the mountains to go search for just one? I wouldn't. I think it's bad business. I think you cut your losses, right? I think you say, 99, that's a pretty good percentage. I'll stick with the 99 and forget the one who wasn't very smart to begin with. I'm going to stick with the 99 and cut my losses and move on. But of course, Jesus isn't telling us about how to make a living as a shepherd. He's telling us about God, about who God is and what God is like. And God doesn't quit. God doesn't cut losses and move on. In fact, it seems that God is crazy about reunions. A woman that tears up a house looking for one lost coin and throws a party to celebrate when she finds it? A shepherd that celebrates and rejoices at finding one sheep? He still had 99. He was doing all right. A father that throws a party for his no-good, wayward son. Jesus loves to tell stories about reunion. Jesus is in the lost and found department. Jesus makes sure that everyone listening to him knows that he cares about these kids so much. These nobody kids that he wants to make sure that he knows, that they know that he does not cut his losses and move on. God cares about the joy of a reunion, the joy that throws a party at what was lost is now found, the joy that says, I got to celebrate 
because I found that missing piece. My hope is that all of us here today will take comfort in the truth of these words, that our God is indeed in the lost and found business. I hope that everybody who has ever wondered if maybe they have messed up just one too many times, my hope is that anyone who has ever felt felt so broken and so lost, anyone who has ever been surrounded by people and yet ultimately feels alone. I hope you hear in this story that Jesus is for you, that no one is too broken, no one is too far gone, no one is too lost. The shepherd does not quit searching. We have a God who does not cut our losses. You are worth searching for. And maybe that's why Jesus tells the stories like this over and over and over again. Maybe, just maybe, it's a hope that we will all somehow get the hint, that it will soak in, that we will realize that what was lost is now found again and again and again, that God is in the lost and found department. And this week it occurred to me that maybe we ministers just don't talk enough about the part of the story that mentions rejoicing. I've preached on these different parables, these lost and found parables, a million times now. And I've always talked about what it is to be lost. I understand what it feels like to be lost, but I don't know that we ministers talk too much about the rejoicing part of the story. Every story like this has rejoicing. It's a common pattern in every one of these parables. And maybe we just don't talk about the celebration enough, that God loves a reunion, that God is so preoccupied with reunion, it doesn't even matter that the 99 who, weren't, who were smart enough not to get lost in the first place, all God is obsessed with is that one that was lost and now found. I remember a colleague of mine in ministry who told me at a clergy meeting that he felt that he was becoming a bit too preoccupied with the numbers of ministry. You know, church attendance week to week, his enthusiasm or feelings about his job performance just went up and down with the numbers in the pews, and he was just getting a little too consumed, he felt like, about what was coming into the offering plate or not coming into the offering plate. And he said, I just don't think... It's been healthy for me as a minister. And so this year, he stood at the beginning of the year, and he told his church that he was going to do something in addition. He was going to count blessings. Every time he felt like his church was being a blessing to others, he was going to take notice and write it down. And he did it all year long. And at the end of the year, he had this really beautiful and astounding list of numbers and information that he read to his church and shared with others because he had taken notice of the rejoicing. He didn't want to miss it anymore. He wanted to make sure the church realized that they were in the rejoicing business and he didn't want to move on without taking notice. I remember going to a lecture and the lecturer mentioned that a church should be a small house with a big backyard. And what she meant by this was that there are the people in the house, you, you, 
And then there's the people in the backyard, the people who are impacted and connected by the ministry of the congregation just by its existence. And we have, oh, our house is so small. We have a medium house and a really, really big front yard. I debated whether this was the front yard or the backyard, but I think this is our front yard. We're a backwards church, if you haven't noticed. But we have a, physically, we have a big front yard. But I also happen to believe that metaphorically, we have a big front yard. I happen to think this is one of the gifts of First Christian Church Madisonville. There are people whose lives are touched and made better and impacted by First Christian Church Madisonville who never even walk through these doors. And I thank God for that. I thought of that as I looked at Zach Hardy's. He shared a picture of him and about six or seven campers from Madisonville, some connected to our church, some loosely connected to our church, and Counselor Liz and he, and they were all smiling. And I thought, those kids are experiencing camp. The backyard, the front yard of our church because of your giving in this place. How many more kids this summer are going to experience camp and maybe even meet Jesus for the first time in their lives because of you all sitting right here in this room today? Small house, big front yard. I hope as a church that we remember that we are called to be people who recognize that God is still in the lost and found business. And when we see it, that we too have the good sense to rejoice and to celebrate and to recognize the abundant life of Christ when it shows up in our midst. Just this week, I happened to hear someone tell me about how they, um, thanks to social media, they had gotten a message from someone they hadn't heard from in forever. It was someone during college years that had actually done something to really hurt this person. And this person mentioned that all out of the blue, there was this message in his inbox of someone recognizing their mistake and asking for his forgiveness. And he said, all of a sudden, he was welled up with all these emotions and pain from the past, and he realized he had just shoved it away. And, um, and that person was asking for his forgiveness. And he mentioned that he didn't realize how much he needed to hear that until that message arrived in his inbox. Lost and found department. I remember many years ago going to a baby shower that was held at my church for a woman who was becoming a mom under some tough circumstances. She was fairly young, not married. Um, she had been a part of our youth ministry at our church and had joined our church and she herself had a really hard childhood growing up. She didn't even graduate from high school, but she had gotten her GED and was a really hard worker and had a decent job, but she was going to be pretty much a solo parent. And some ladies in our church wanted to throw her a baby shower in our fellowship hall. And just as a little side note, um, about a week before, someone came up to me and said, you know... Maybe we should move this shower 
to another spot in town. I'm not sure. I'm wondering what people are going to think if we host this shower at our church. And I said, you know, that's not a worry I think you need to have. I'll see you Saturday. And she was there, and I was there, and I went out to get a present for this shower, and I am a practical person. It's just who I am. Just look at my shoes on Sunday morning. You will know I am a practical person. And so when I was going to a shower for a mom like this, I was like, I'm going to get a practical gift. So I bought this woman a mountain of diapers. She got diapers of all variety and sizes and lots of onesies because you know those babies go through onesies so fast. I bought a ton of those. And then we go to the shower and we're opening up gifts and I realized that pretty much everybody else there was doing exactly what I was doing. They were going practical. That woman had a mountain of diapers, stroller, bottles, all very wonderful things she needed. I was very proud of the church. And she was pleased this mom was opening up gifts. And then she opened up a gift that was clearly wrapped by a professional. And it was a gift that was at, bought at a children's boutique store. And she opened the gift, and it was a beautiful little baby gown and a beautiful little baby hat and one of those silver rattles that a child will never really use, but it was just beautiful, and it had the baby's name engraved on it. And she opened up that gift, and she cried. And I realized, watching her opening that gift, that it was the joy it was the joy she needed to hear that this child is a gift and we are rejoicing in it. A God who rejoices. A church that rejoices. So keep your eyes open. God is in the lost and found department. Amen. Amen.